0: Hi I'm Gary and this is episode 84 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today we'll be looking at what happens when you take your car on a European road trip from the UK. Before we start I wanted to remind you that the weekly EV Musings newsletter has moved from being issued on a Tuesday to being issued on a Wednesday. The content will be the same and will still be free. Although you can always become an EV Musings patron if you wish to support both the podcast and the newsletter. Our main topic of discussion today is long-distance road trips to another country. Primarily, this is aimed at people in the UK who want to go to Europe, but there's no reason this couldn't apply to people in Europe wanting to go to other places in Europe or even coming across to the UK. I must start by saying that the state of the European charger network is getting better and better every day, pretty much like England. Five years ago, a trip to, say, Italy in an EV would have been fraught with concern and range anxiety. Even two years ago, the infrastructure was a lot less robust than it is today. But with companies such as Fastned and Ionity putting charges in on an almost daily basis, range anxiety is virtually a thing of the past. At the moment, the key word when planning a trip such as um, a journey down through Europe has got to be preparation. With the current state of charging, it's vitally important that, unless you have a Tesla, you do a bit of research beforehand. This is because, apart from understanding where the charges are located and whether they're working or not, it's important to understand the various payment methods you'll need to employ. In the UK, the government has mandated that new charges be set up to allow ad hoc payments. Most people understand that, that to mean payment by a contactless card. In reality, that's not entirely accurate because it could also mean you have to scan a QR code on the charger to go to a website that allows you to enter your payment details. In Europe, and I assume elsewhere, this is probably not the case. I don't think they've got that sort of mandate in place. And what this means, unfortunately, is that if you're doing a European road trip, you're going to need to be prepared for all sorts of different payment methods. If you cast your mind back to the second episode we ever did of the podcast on charging, we talked about having a backup charge when selecting your charging location. In countries such as France and Spain, this is very important as they tend to have a lot of single charger locations that can be out of service or occupied quite easily. So let's start by talking about planning.
1: So what I did was, um, as I said, I, I did use Better Route Planner. I got a, a good idea, really, of what we would have to do and how many times we would have to
0: stop. That's friend of the podcast, Andrew Till. His wife is Italian, and they took his inero down there a year or two back.
1: Uh, we did France into uh, Italy, um, and then we did, on the way back up, yeah, so that's Italy, Austria, Germany, Belgium, a bit of France, back to England.
0: So. In terms of the planning aspect, with the Better Route Planner,
1: so what I did was, um, as I said, I, I did use Better Route Planner. I got a, a good idea, really, of what we would have to do, how many times we would have to stop. Um, I think it turned out to be more times. It, it did turn out to be more times than I planned. But anyway, um, and then yes, yeah, so, and then I clicked through on PlugShare, and I was clicking at the charges and trying to work out what RFID cards I would need
0: because that's the name of the game at the moment. Do all your planning in advance and work out where you're going, which networks you're going to be using and how these networks need payment. In France, for example, the main network is called Corridor. It has charges alongside the main traffic routes in France um, with 150 locations across the country, usually 50 kilowatt charge speed. And to access these charges, you'll need an RFID card. However, if you're heading across to the continent, you're going to want to grab yourself a little something to make the job easier.
1: So before we left, um, I got New Motion. Um, the New Motion card, that was one of the ones that I felt would work most most of all all over Europe, and it did. And the New Motion, that was a brilliant card to have.
0: New Motion is a company owned by Shell, and they've set up a system whereby you can use their RFID card at a huge number of charges across many charging networks. The idea is very simple in that you flash your New Motion card when the charger asks for ID and authentication of payment, is all managed by Newmotion. Be aware, however, that oftentimes Newmotion will add a small levy per kilowatt hour for every transaction. You might be paying, say, 35 euro cents per kilowatt hour direct to Corridor, but 39 euro cents per kilowatt hour with Newmotion. If you're using Newmotion with the already expensive Ionity network, you'll end up paying <laughs> potentially an eye watering amount. On the subject of costs, I asked Andrew how the costs differed to a similar charge in the UK.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think it was, um, I think it was a bit more. Um, so yeah, those corridor charges in France they were quite expensive. Um, although less, um, well actually, so at the time, IONITY was, was um, only on was it eight euro at the time IONITY. So that actually that was quite cheap. The whole trip was relatively cheap. I mean, it would be much more expensive now for to do it now. So, um, in all, I spent 230 uh, euros. I think it was. Um, it would be 302 euros now, if with uh, Ionity's pricing now. Um, I think that works out to about 245 pounds or something, 247 pounds, something like that. But yeah, if I would to do the same trip in in the UK, probably would cost much the same. I, I would say I don't think there was a massive price disparity,
0: really. Um, what's the actual payment mechanism? Do you load your payment card to the new motion account?
1: Yes. It uh yeah. It, you, you add your payment card and then it detects it automatically. So that's good actually, because you you don't have to worry too much. Um unless they've changed it, um, which is possible. But uh yeah, it made it quite convenient. I didn't have to worry about having a certain amount of money on there. Um and you get invoiced, I think it's monthly, um, and you get yeah, so you get an invoice through and it tells you how much you charged and the rest of it. And um and you get an invoice per uh, region from what I remember. But New Motion, New Motion was really good and, and in fact the New Motion app was really good as well. And um and i, and I hate to say it because of course New Motion is actually Shell. So I would rather avoid I'd rather avoid any of the oil giants based on what I just said, but still they, they had their app was really good. Um and I believe it still is good, although I've not used it for a while. But you can you can drag sliders around and it'll tell you how much it's gonna cost to each charger and things like that. Um So yeah, that was a
0: really good app, yeah. As has previously been mentioned, Andrew did a lot of his route planning using an app called A Better Route Planner. Now, our app of choice on the podcast is ZapMap. And incidentally, we'll be talking with Melanie Shufflebottom from ZapMap in an upcoming show. But the reason Andrew used A Better Route Planner in place of ZapMap is that ZapMap doesn't yet cover any geographic area outside the United Kingdom. One of the things that a better route planner does is it gives you a battery state of charge estimate for each stop. In other words, it says if you start with 89% at this charger and travel at the speed limit to the next charger, you will arrive with X percent state of charge. You've got to wonder how accurate these estimates are, right?
1: It was pretty accurate. Yeah, it would have been more accurate had I entered a roof box on there because we had a roof box and it was incredibly windy in France. So the, the efficiency was terrible um it went down to something like 2.4 miles per kilowatt hour um with 25.8 kilowatt hour per 100 kilometers i think it's the, it's the other way of doing it so yeah so that went very low and i wasn't used to that because the e nero as you know is really efficient and um, i hadn't seen those sort of low numbers before so i was freaking out a little bit at that stage um but then it improved massively um the weather the weather improved and you realize just how much that affects it And um, but yes, because we had the roof box, that obviously made things worse.
0: But there is a silver lining to all this extra drag.
1: Good for the regen going down mountains and the Alps, though, of course, because uh, the added weight in the roof box helped. <laughs> helped a bit, I think. But
0: Earlier on, I mentioned that with some of the European networks, you might hit problems of, for example, the chargers being out of service or in use. With Andrew having a wife who can drive, the dynamic was established early on.
1: Uh, she found the experience absolutely fine. Actually, it was me. It was me panicking more than she was, um, because I was generally the one. I mean, what would happen is, is um, she would be driving actually a lot of the time. Although well, we did take in turns, but she would be driving a lot of the time, and I would be sat in the back on my iPhone frantically looking at a better route planner to to see what kind of uh, state of charge we might be in when we get to the next charger. And it was a bit of a crazy situation, really. I mean. Uh, you know, now you've got a better route planner on CarPlay or Android Auto, and that would, that would have made the trip so much simpler, much less stressful.
0: The one thing you're going to be fighting whenever you go somewhere new is the lack of familiarity. In the UK, we know the networks we use, we know the chargers. So there's very few times when we panic about getting to and using a unit. But Andrew's comment about sitting in the back on his iPhone frantically looking at the state of charges could indicate a lack of confidence in the infrastructure in Europe.
1: From what I could tell, there were there were large parts of France where you could drive through. Um, I think Spain is pretty bad as well for this, from what I understand. And yeah, you could drive through a lot of parts of France and you would really struggle to find a rapid on the on the motorway that you'd be driving through. It was a it's a lot more a lot more sparse. I think if you're going through Germany and you know, Netherlands and things like that, I think it's all much better. North, North of Europe is much, much better, I think.
0: Fans of Norwegian vlogger beyond Ireland will know that in Norway, the infrastructure is very robust and reliable up there. Sweden and Denmark, yeah, they almost, but to a lesser extent. In fact, I was interested to know what Andrew thought of the, the infrastructure in Europe. So I asked him, on a scale of one easy to ten difficult, how would you rate the charging experience?
1: For me, I would
0: say
1: that's a good question. It depends, doesn't it, on your how how experienced you are. I suppose. So for me, I would say it was probably four out of ten. It was far better than I was expecting. Um, if if I was new to if I was new to the whole EV game, I think I would have I think I would have found it much worse. Would have been far more stressed.
0: It has to be said, however that Andrew's experience is almost two years out of date. Since he went to Italy, the infrastructure has improved across Europe, with companies like Ionity installing far more charges in the last two years than in previous times. So were some countries more advanced when it comes to charging than others?
1: I would say, actually, we started doing destination charges when we when we when we got to the sort of north of italy so we went north of italy and then yeah through to germany and then we started doing destination charges and of course once you do that you don't rely on the public charging network so much so it's difficult to get a good idea just how convenient it was but i had a feeling that the moment i went north of italy the moment i was in austria germany that all seemed to be much easier and when i when i was looking on a better route planner i was seeing them crop up everywhere and you know you got like fast nerd and things like that and Everything seems better there. France felt a bit more difficult, although now there's a lot of Ionity chargers.
0: So it would seem as though judicious use of the new motion card and a focus on Ionity chargers is the way to go, right?
2: So, to kind of ensure that I could charge everywhere that we stopped,
0: um, I used this app called Charge Map. That's Namdi Jenkins Johnson. He came on the podcast last season to talk about his E 2008. While he was there, or while he was here, I asked him about a couple of trips he'd done to France.
2: So we we took the I three out um, uh, to to France. Uh, the longest journey we made was uh, this was in two thousand and seventeen. We went to Brittany um, from London. I mean, I should say the I three I had had a range extender. If we hadn't had that, I don't think we
0: would have been. We would have made it. Namdi's first trip was in the i3 Rex in 2017, and he echoed what Andrew said. When he went back last year in his e2008, things were far better. So tell me about the Charge Map app, which
2: is which was really really handy, and uh, you're able to get an RFID card from them, and, and they do very similar things to what um, Charge Point do or Plug Surfing do. They work with lots of different um, EV charging companies um, and you just need to have that one RFID card to use in, in, with lots of different um, companies. So that's what we used. That worked really well in terms of RFID from ChargeMap worked really well. It was
0: just the infrastructure that let us down. In summary, the thing to remember is that travelling abroad with an EV is not radically different to travelling around your own country with an EV. The steps and process are the same. Plan your route, check charge availability using an appropriate app, have a backup charger for emergency use if your first choice charger isn't working, and ensure you have the appropriate payment methods for whatever networks you're going to be using. Having a new motion card or the charge map app or RFID card will make things a lot easier in Europe. Now we said it many times on the podcast. The infrastructure will never be as bad as it is today and each day it gets better and better. This applies equally to Europe As it does to the UK and North America. My thanks to both Andrew and Namdi for their time in helping me put together this episode. There are links in the show notes to Andrew's set of videos about his European road trip which go in so much more detail about the process than we discussed today. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. If you're a big coffee drinker like me, and especially if you tend to get your coffee from chains such as Starbucks, you might wonder just how carbon neutral they are. Well, if you buy an espresso at Starbucks, brewed in a machine running on renewable electricity, most of the carbon footprint of the drink comes from how the coffee is grown. Now, Starbucks are looking at ways to make coffee bean growing carbon neutral by the end of the decade. The process is quite complicated, but it involves doing things such as using apps to classify the health of the soil that the bean are grown in. And... This helps to target the use of fertiliser, a large source of carbon in the growing process. Targeting fertiliser limits the carbon footprint. There are other little things they can do, such as breed and test new varieties of coffee trees that can better resist disease. The trees can produce more coffee beans, which means that they also sequester more carbon in the soil, while helping farmers with small plots earn a better living. Coffee is very susceptible to climate change, So trying to remove carbon from the life cycle and reduce the overall carbon footprint is always good. Now all we need to do is get fully recyclable coffee cups and a renewable energy to roast the beans and we'll be on to something. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, please use the evmusings at gmail.com email account or the evmusings twitter account musings ev. If you want to support the podcast and the newsletter, please consider contributing to become an EV Musings patron. The link's in the show notes. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent. And it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. If you've reached this part of the podcast and are still listening, thank you. Why not let me know you've got to this point by tweeting me at MusingZV with the words, got your new motion card? Nothing else. If you see the tweet I sent out which announced the release of this episode, please feel free to reply to that with the same phrase, got your new motion card. Thanks as always to my co-founder Simon. You know, he likes extremely good food service when he's dining out on holiday. The waiters have to be on the top of their game especially if he's dining al fresco. So a little bit of bad weather can really ruin his dining experience.
1: And it was incredibly windy in France, so the, the efficiency
0: was terrible. Thanks for listening. Bye.